Welcome to Vegan Boss Radio, where we will be talking about all things related to business, health, and lifestyle. We connect with passionate vegans from around the world so they can share their stories, challenges, and what it's like to navigate being vegan in a non-vegan world. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Vegan Boss Radio. I am Shauna Barker, founder of Synergy Nutrition. I am a nutritionist specializing in vegan diets, including digestive issues and how to go vegan the right way through proper nutrition and education. So if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Synergy underscore nutrition, and you can learn more about my services there as well as my website, synergynutrition.ca. And I'm Megan Barker, founder of Megan Media Design, and I do online consulting and brand development for vegan entrepreneurs and ethical startups who want to launch or grow their online business. You can find me on Instagram at Megan Media Design and find more information about my private coaching programs and services at MeganMediaDesign.com. Um, You can also follow us on Instagram at vegan underscore boss um, and tell all your friends, all your vegan friends or regular friends (laughs) to listen because this really helps us spread the word. So thank you for all your support. Today we are talking with Dr. Dylan Cutler from uh, Fruitful Dish on Instagram We had such a great conversation with her just about her story and how she got into veganism and how she is now specializing in women's hormone health, um, specifically PCOS. So if you don't know what that is, you're definitely going to find out in this episode. But before we get to all of that, we did want to let you know about... um, a vegan nutrition seminar that I am teaching in Vancouver. It's going to be at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, which is in Kitsilano on West Broadway. And this is a course I put together. uh, Part one, which is February 25th, is basically the foundations of how to be a healthy vegan for your long-term health and wellness. Um, So everything you need to know, including, you know, like what supplements, what form of the supplements, like how to ask for a blood test, um, what different definitions of the different types of plant-based and vegan diets there are, because there's a lot of confusion around that. And yeah, just everything you need to know. And then part two, which I'm really excited about is going into the science and the latest research into plant-based and vegan diets and also kind of what to do if like you're not feeling well on a vegan diet. I see a lot of people with digestive issues in my practice, vegans and non-vegans alike. Um, So it's not just a vegan issue, but a lot of ex-vegans have um, come out and said that it was their digestive issues that they felt were suffering. And so they went back to eating animal products. So definitely diving deep into what is actually going on there and how they didn't have to start incorporating animal products. So I'm really excited to be able to offer these. Um, they're three hours each 
and they are good for anyone who is just interested in veganism and nutrition and also nutrition students who want to be able to help their clients go vegan the right way. Because in nutrition school, we don't learn that much about vegan nutrition, except that you know, you may become deficient in B12 or iron and different fat-soluble vitamins. So we don't, uh, we'll be covering all of that in this six-hour seminar. And should we give a little promo, a little something for our <laughs> vegan boss listeners? Like, can you give them a discount? Yes, for sure. So sorry for putting you on the spot there. <laughs> no, that's fine. So to take all six hours, so the two seminars, it's $89. And if you just want to take one, then it's 49 Like, say you just want to know the foundations, but you don't want to go deep into, like, the research and science side, then you would just take part one. If you feel like you have the foundations down already and you want to see what like the science is actually saying, then you would take part two. So I think we can offer 20% off. Whoa, that's a lot. To our vegan boss listeners. All right. I just want people to have this information. Okay, so, so get on that, listeners, <laughs> if you're interested. That's a yeah. really good discount. So There's awesome. no um, discount code on Eventbrite, which is where you buy the ticket. So if you do want to buy a ticket, just send me an email, info at synergynutrition.ca or connect with me on Instagram. Today, our guest is Dr. Dylan Cutler. She is a PCOS wellness consultant, holistic health content creator, food photographer, fitness enthusiast, feminist, and vegan. We're so excited to chat with you today. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm so excited to be here. Great. That was quite the mouthful. But yes, thanks. it was. Wow. Awesome. Um, you've been busy, it sounds like. Yes, yeah. 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 How did you get into... Um, specializing in PCOS and plant-based diets? Oh, um, well, PCOS was a personal journey. Um, I knew I always wanted to go into medicine mostly because I wanted to help people. And growing up, that was what I was told more or less, that that was the way that I could kind of use um, intellect and Mm -hmm. support people at the same time was going to medicine. Um, And then women's health stood out for me as uh, an area that needed a lot more focus um, than it was being given. So um, as I, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 17 um, and then got, was kind of forced into doing a lot of my own research to treat my own symptoms um, because I wasn't taken seriously by doctors. I was brushed off. um, I didn't have a period, but that was, you know, that was seen as, okay, we'll just put you on the pill. It'll be fine. Like, um, and that, that wasn't fine. It didn't really treat the root causes of uh, my PCOS. So, um, I mean, it was fast forward to graduate school, um, when I was working on my PhD and that's when I, um, focused on PCOS in particular and researching how, uh, lifestyle, um, plays such a big role. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh- at 17, with that diagnosis, did you already know you wanted to go into medicine at that point? Or yes. was that kind of like a tipping yeah. point? I was, um, I was going into pre-med, mm-hmm. um, and so that was like 100%. I didn't know what area I wanted to specialize in, um, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to 
like I said, uh, I take care of people. And, um, and that was kind of the only way I knew how that back then. Now I know there's lots of other ways we can support, um, people, um, through like supporting our loved ones or, um, support workers. I have a huge respect for as well. So it's like, um, yeah, but that seemed like the obvious choice at the time. And then did you go vegan around that same time or was that totally separate? That veganism wasn't until um, my senior year of college, which would have been when I was 22. Um, So a little later. I did go vegetarian though um, around being diagnosed with PCOS. And uh, and that was also related to IBS because I had a lot of um, gut issues. And I found that as soon as I uh, stopped consuming meat, my um, IBS was you know, like automatically relieved uh, it was amazing oh. and that was just from something that I felt like I felt mm-hmm. every time I eat meat this it hurts and I feel ill so then I told my mom one day I think I was like 15 or 16 I was just like I I don't want to eat meat for dinner anymore because I don't feel I feel well after she's like okay and then yeah so that was the beginning of to vegetarian and then mm-hmm. um my vegan story is a little more it's actually kind of interesting because it was part of a health psychology course in um, in college, and we had to set a health-related goal, and then throughout the semester follow that goal and learn about the principles of goal setting and how to stay motivated and and the psychology behind goal setting. And as a as a varsity athlete and a, a nutrition nut, mm-hmm. as I. I, I thought I was at least at that point. Um, I didn't think there was much I could change about my health and, and lifestyle. Um, I mean, that was when I was 22, and now I know there's a lot of things I could have been working on. But um, overall, I was, you know, I wasn't eating much processed food. I was drinking a lot of water. I was exercising. I didn't drink as much alcohol as like a lot of 22 year olds. So I kind of didn't know what to do as far as my health goal. Um, and then, so I decided to dig a deep, deeper into nutrition. And that's when I found that plant-based, uh, diets were, uh, the most effective for preventing heart disease, uh, type two diabetes, some cancers. Uh, and that's when it completely clicked. Like it made sense because I'm at greater risk of these, um, conditions with PCOS. So it made the most sense to be like, okay, I'm going to try a plant-based uh, lifestyle as this is going to be my goal for this course. And then I never stopped after the course ended. And uh, yeah, so since then I've never looked back, I guess. Wow, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, I'm curious, like during your education, was there talk about like plant-based nutrition? Definitely not. Okay. Um, there wasn't talk about nutrition at all in uh, in pre-med at least. Yeah. Um, and I was the only one at the time that was leaning towards plant-based or trying a vegan diet. And, Mm -hmm. and it was difficult on a college campus when most of the food is not, um, vegan friendly back in, when was this? 2012. So, so now I'm sure there's a lot, maybe there's a Beyond Burger, there's a lot more options, but, um, I kind of feel like if I could do it then living on like canned beans and and rice and such then we we can definitely do it now (laughs) um but what was i going with this um what about (laughs) like uh in graduate oh yeah i graduate so my phd was i chose to focus on lifestyle so therefore i was focusing on nutrition um so my all my research studies were um were looking at what uh, people with PCOS were eating, um, and how that was affecting their hormonal health. 
Uh, so it was very focused on nutrition, but that wasn't the norm um, in my program at all. So I was a little, I was a, an outlier, I guess you could say. And I did come up with a lot of, um, a lot of, how do you say, like opposition, I guess, um, about, you know, coming, treating uh, PCOS or managing PCOS through a more lifestyle-based approach um, as opposed to pharmaceutical-driven um, approach. Um I'd love if you could explain PCOS to yeah, our listeners. For sure. um, just like I know, blood sugar plays a role. Maybe like testosterone levels yeah, can be higher. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go into the details, definitely, yeah. Um, so it stands for polycystic ovary syndrome, and it affects anywhere up to twenty percent of women. So it's well, a I huge amount. Yes, yeah. And we really don't know the numbers because it is so misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. Um, but the way it's most commonly diagnosed is if um, someone has irregular cycles or no cycles at all. Uh, secondly, if they have the elevated androgen levels that you're mentioning, uh, which could be shown in blood work or it could be um, through excess facial hair or body hair um, or even acne um, can be because of high androgens. And then the last one is if there are actual cysts on the ovaries, um, which are not really cysts but follicles, um, but they're just follicles that are not um they're not ovulating every month like most um, follicles okay. would in a, someone without PCOS. So, um, so those are kind of if you have two of those three uh, criteria, then you would be diagnosed with PCOS. Um, but of course, it's a spectrum disorder, so it means you could have a couple of those. Mm-hmm. They could they could come and go within your lifetime. Maybe like you get your um, androgens in check, um, but you still have this like condition mm-hmm. that is probably gonna um, stick with us for life um, because it is something that we have to manage. Um, So with that, that's where the the insulin resistance um, comes in. Inflammation is really big. That's why um, an anti-inflammatory, which is really a plant-based diet, Mm -hmm. um, is so effective um, for both combating the inflammation and the insulin. Do they know why the androgens become high? Is it like a lack of like estrogen and progesterone and those hormones and then your androgens just seem high? There's a lot of, there's a lot of theories um, as to how it starts. Um, But the, I mean, one theory is that in utero, um, the babies are, uh, are subjected to a high uh, elevated testosterone or androgens um, from the mother. Um, and that um, then creates this increase in androgens in the in the fetus. So that is one of like the leading um, theories right now. Uh, but yeah, we don't we really don't know a lot. But we know that the, there is interplay between the androgens, the insulin, um, which is like which comes first. Is that that's the tricky part because they both will activate uh, each other. Okay. Yeah. And then dietary uh, protocol for like decreasing androgens. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's, I mean, there's a few studies, for example, like spearmint yeah. tea has been shown uh, to decrease androgens. Okay. Um, there aren't a lot of nutritional studies in uh, people with PCOS. So that's a, that's the problem. We don't have, uh, we don't have like a PCOS diet yet. Okay. Um, but we do have, there's one study um, that used a vegan diet that mm-hmm. did show 
that um, women's symptoms were decreased uh, on this diet. So it was short, um, but we, we really need more research. But mm-hmm. where I've, why I find it uh, very effective is based on the diabetes research and the, uh, the heart disease research mm-hmm. and these other, um, you know, heart, these other conditions that are really um, mm-hmm. problematic uh, for women with PCOS. Uh, so if we can prevent those, then um, it may also, you know, help the symptoms that um, women are dealing with now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do like phytoestrogens come into play? Yeah. So that's a really common one. Unfortunately, a lot of women with PCOS have been scared off from like consuming soy, um, which could be like tofu or edamame beans or um, soy milk. And unfortunately, I mean, like the research actually shows the opposite, that it could be beneficial for women with uh, PCOS. So it's definitely not something to fear. Um, There's certain types we'd like to lean towards, like uh, non-GMO if possible, Mm -hmm. organic. But um, yeah, there's a few studies in particular that have shown that phytoestrogens can um, be beneficial as they're not um, you know, they're not strong estrogens like, say, like milk, uh, for example, right. which would have a stronger estrogenic effect than soy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious about that because, like, if androgens are high, like, what does the phytoestrogen do? Because phytoestrogens can have, like, kind of a balancing act. Yeah, exactly. Of the different types of estrogen mm-hmm. receptors. And so. it also is very... It's a um, a small effect. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what very I try minimal. to... Yeah, exactly. That's what I try to... Um, to preface when, when people are scared of soy, like okay. either way. Are yeah. there doctors that um, like are telling women with PCOS to avoid phytoestrogens? Yeah, I yeah? think there still okay. is this confusion that it's estrogen. And, okay. that, and same with uh, same idea with breast cancer, that it's like it would be too much estrogen. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> there's a lot of misinformation, yeah. especially because, um, I mean, medical school does not have a lot of nutritional training in it. So um, that was one reason I I went did my PhD in nutrition for okay. OBGYN type of, of patients yeah. um, because there, there aren't many people doing that and it's important. Like yeah. we know that what we eat mm-hmm. matters. Um, I mean, I'm talking to a nutritionist, <laughs> so we, I don't have to tell yeah. you, but um, there's still, a, it's still, you know, not widely accepted, I guess, in uh, the pharmaceutical world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. <laughs> and it's so great that you're doing this work because clearly there is a need for it mm-hmm. um, for you to be covering these topics and helping people with this condition. Um, do you have a private practice or where do you usually take on your patients? Yeah, so I work privately. Um, I work online with women, uh, particularly with PCOS. And um, those that want to, well, there it's balance their uh, their hormones or get their cycle back. Um, I work with them on their uh, nutritional intake, um, exercise, uh, kind of like more movement than exercise. I like to say, mm-hmm. and then um, mindfulness techniques as well to reduce stress, uh, as that was a component of my thesis as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And the clients that you see, do you find you're usually their first stop, like they've done their research and then they come to you, or have they tried more of the traditional sense and gone to regular doctors and then kind of exhausted that? Yeah, so they definitely have 
gone to a wide range of doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really common with PCOS is that we, we get kind of get pushed from one specialist to another. And there isn't like a a PCOS specialist, which is what Mm -hmm. I'm, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) what I would call myself as, but, um, there, you know, they, it might be an OBGYN or a dermatologist or a nutritionist or, or whichever it is, but not necessarily um, specific to PCOS. So um, they've usually tried various medications and either were not, they didn't like the side effects or they weren't effective um, or maybe they want to get pregnant and they don't, uh, they want to get off the pill and that's kind of, you know, put, mess up their hormones to say, <laughs> to put it bluntly. So, um so yeah, there's definitely like a sense of frustration, um, and I've I've been there for sure, um, and figuring out like where there's so much information online. So what are we supposed to believe? Um, it's just like nutrition when so, someone mm-hmm. says keto, someone says paleo. Like what are we supposed to believe? And it's the same with that with PCOS, um, and even more so like the research we don't know, like there isn't enough research mm-hmm. right now, uh, which is, is really sad. Only, I know the stats, but like 0.1% of NIH funding goes to PCOS research. So wow. that's yeah. shocking because yes. it's such a, a big, like so many people suffer. Exactly. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm always like, it's, it's affecting a lot of women and, uh, it's not just, you know, not having a period. It actually mm-hmm. leads to, um, there's, adverse effects down the road as they mentioned like diabetes mm-hmm. um and infertility is another one too um that's usually when um, women get diagnosed when they start try to to have a family and then find out that they can't mm-hmm. and then figure out why and it's because they had pcos most of their life yeah those are really serious um results from that totally yeah, yeah. um do most of the people that see you for PCOS, are they vegan or leaning that way? Or do you kind of like nudge them in that direction when kind they come see you? all over the place. Okay. Um, and I also, like, I will give the information um, that mm-hmm. I know and why a plant, why plant-based diet would be effective. Okay. Um, and it, at the very least, um, limiting dairy or cutting out dairy um, is going to be hugely uh, impactful on hormones Um, and then and limiting uh, meat like yeah so those those are the two that you know I would I would definitely push for there's no there's no benefit um, Mm -hmm. to consuming those and there's only risk Um, if someone you know really loves their fish then like there's definitely reasons to consume continue consuming fish um for uh if they're worried about omegas and such um for me i'm personally concerned about like overfishing and the environment so that aspect is why i don't consume fish but i'm not you know gonna go there yeah um so i i'll support any kind of diet uh you know lifestyle but i am more you know pushing more plants less animal products um and for for reasons as i mentioned the mm-hmm. the, the research is there are there specific um supplements that are useful in the treatment plan yeah and it's okay. going to be really um really based on the individual um mm-hmm. myonositol is a really c- a common one oh, right yeah, now yeah 
Yeah. yeah. So I included that in my randomized control trial where I was, I was comparing a lifestyle-based approach, which included an, uh, myonosyl to um, uh, letrozole for IVF um, or ovulation injection. Okay. So there... The myonostal research, again, is very small sample sizes, but what is there is really promising for um, ovulation and even um, insulin regulation. Uh, so that one, and there's very little harm as well. Um, so maybe some gastrointestinal like discomfort, but that's usually in the higher doses. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. And then basic like vitamin D, um, many women with PCOS are deficient with vitamin D, of vitamin D, as a lot of people in North yeah. America. So, um, but otherwise it definitely has like, has to be mm, specific, okay. which is why I think it is important to work with someone and get your blood work yeah. checked out. Yeah. yeah. Always test, don't guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with various supplements yeah. and yeah, it's the same in the PCOS world. There's so many different ones, like herbs and such, that are being used. But spearmint tea, I actually am definitely all for. That's that, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the tos- testosterone level, yeah. so the other androgens. The yeah. study, they had um, they had a group, I can't remember the sample size right now, maybe about, f- I think about 40, but they ha- half of them were drinking two cups of spearmint tea a day. Mm-hmm. The other half were drinking another herbal tea. And um, that was for 30 days. And after just 30 days of these two cups a day, their uh, levels of androgens decreased in the spearmint tea group. Um, so, And that was a randomized control trial. Like, they didn't know which tea they were drinking. Um, so it's a really high-quality study for, a, mm-hmm. definitely, especially for a herbal um you know, a herbal remedy. Mm-hmm. So to, and to have that result in such little time and it's so easy to just add, you know, spearmint tea. For so, sure. and it tastes good. Too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you think men with low testosterone should avoid spearmint tea then? Ooh, that's, um, I can't speak to that. Okay. I'm not sure if it is, if it is working as an adaptogen okay. or, um, if it would have that like lowering yeah. effect. With herbs, it's yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to test it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> need some volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I gonna ask? Oh, uh, with the insulin resistance, do you think like intramyocellular lipids play a role, or is mm. it like some other mechanism that is messing up like insulin working to get the sugar into the uh, cells. Um, again, there's a f- there's a few theories. It could be t- um, that could, yeah, it could be. Um, there's also even just the increase of androgens co- incre- okay. increases um, production um, from the ovaries of insulin. So if they this likely is due to like an over over um, pulsation of the G- uh, GnRH. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking of the HPA axis, okay. um, where so there's increased pulsation of LH, GnRH, and then that's why we're getting like over um, okay. kind of production from of the ovaries from uh, testosterone and insulin, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's why like anything to do with like that's why mindfulness can could be effective if we're affecting the yeah. um, GnRH and LH uh, loop there, then that could you know, lead to downstream effects and positively impact. So the, the, um, 
pancreas cells that uh, make insulin, they're like normally, they're functioning normally? Um, no, not okay. necessarily. <laughs> no, that could be, that's another okay. um, area that could be out of balance as well. So many factors yes. come into play. Yeah, there's a, a lot of, that was, it was a really challenging part of my yeah. doctorate because there's all these, all these organs that mm-hmm. um, are, even the liver, there's not, um, non-alcoholic fatty liver diseases increased in women with PCOS. Oh, okay. um, so there's, we, we don't know even, yeah, there's, it's a whole interplay of, yeah. of um, different systems, and that's also why there isn't as much research because there's no one group that's gonna like take on like the the heart foundation is not gonna you know fund this and right. this diabetes like it's just where do we belong yeah. like PCOS so doesn't have yeah exactly why do you think that is why do you think it's being so overlooked when it's such a common and serious condition for women totally um i think it has to do with patriarchy yeah um if you look at all the symptoms of pcos they're quite stigmatized um things like like hirsutism excess facial hair um almost it's actually called um male like excess male hormones which are not Mm -hmm. like testosterone is not a male hormone like we all have testosterone too as women Mm -hmm. um just less of it but even like the naming is can really um, affect women and make them feel less like a woman. Um, and there, there's one paper that is my favorite paper. It's called PCOS, The Thief of Womanhood. And they, um, Celia uh, Sitzinger interviewed 30 women and asked what their experiences were like with PCOS. And they were so heartbreaking what people were saying. Like, um, I feel... I feel less of a woman. I feel like a monster. Like these very, um, just very heartbreaking to hear. And it's, so it's very emotional, um, condition. And I think that is partly why it's being overlooked Mm. and, and anything to do with periods. I think when we go to our physician, it's just kind of like, you have to, that's the way it is. Um, it's not a big deal. You just kind of like pop some pain meds, get through it. Um, those kind of things. And then the same with like the hair growth or the acne, mm-hmm. like very physical, um, you know, physical symptoms. Um, but unfortunately it, that is, even if it is just a physical, um, condition, that means that we're, we're overlooking like the, yeah. the long-term downstream effects of, um, of this increased insulin for an increased inflammation. Like we just, kind of live with it you don't necessarily think that something's different or wrong with us because you know we're used to it um and I was like that for a while too it wasn't until um thankfully I didn't have periods so that can be like that can be something that someone's like okay that there's something wrong there but if you're having a period and then you are having these other symptoms and then one could be like difficulty losing weight well lots of people experience that and there's various factors for that so um but it it is one of the main um you know symptoms i guess of pcos for any women that are listening right now who Mm -hmm. are feeling like oh like this could be me Mm -hmm. um what do you think, what's your advice for the first step they should take in addressing that and finding out if that's what they actually have? Yeah, definitely seeing their GP, um, and hopefully they would be um, 
sent to a specialist, like an endocrinologist or an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also, I mean, there's also uh, lots of resources online. Um, Instagram is a great place now. Um, there's my Instagram. I also have I know several um, PCOS specialists that um, I could put them in touch with as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I I want to. S- I want to say to speak to a, a specialist, but also um, be aware that there's going to be some like of your own research and like having to do your own support mm-hmm. uh, seeking mm-hmm. um, because it's it's so it's hit or miss depending if the specialist is even like aware of what PCOS is or how to diagnose it. So, okay, that's really good advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you have the conversation around like environmental estrogens yeah, with your totally. clients or yeah. patients? So yeah. like decreasing any kind of um, whether it's parabens or uh, anything that could be in our um, beauty products or house mm-hmm. cleaning cleaning products, um, plastics. Though that's really important because of the endocrine disruptors, and especially um, if women with PCOS like. If we are more sensitive to these um, these things, then mm-hmm. this could be uh, like a definite detriment to our health. So, okay. yeah, that's part of mine too. And I kind of I try to look at the whole the whole picture: um, relationship, health. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant I mentioned mindfulness, but just like our mental health and how we're how we're going about our day, kind of like our our uh, mental state, mm-hmm. um, whether that's needs like maybe some positive affirmations or taking more self-care time. Um, those are actually super important for PCOS because of this increased uh, cortisol um, and stress, the stress hormone, which is, you know, making ev- all the other symptoms worse. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm curious about your personal, like, vegan journey. Yeah. Um, have has has there been like any challenges with like either social or physical or emotional? Yeah. Um. Let's see, the beginning I think was definitely challenging socially. Um. I felt that going, maybe going to someone's house and having to explain like what I can't eat that or like do I tell them beforehand and and then or do I show up and then like because. You can go both ways, like, oh, I'm the picky person, but then um, you show up and you don't want to, like, not eat their food. So I remember that being tricky at the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, and then I just, I became really confident in my choice of that this is what I want to do. And, like, I stood by it, and that helped me. I got that way through a lot of documentaries. Um, like, Cowspiracy was actually the one that was, um, stuck out to me the most um the environmental impact and then of course like like earthlings and just the the awful um animal cruelty Mm -hmm. that goes on so i felt really strong about my choice so i was no longer um the quiet vegan that didn't want to stir up shit like Mm -hmm. now i'm 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 totally okay to talk about it and i'm not gonna like show up at dinner and be like (laughs) you know like yeah Yeah. what do you why are you all eating this you know but if uh if the conversation comes up I'm definitely gonna you know explain why I'm choosing to eat this and um and then I think just being flexible like explaining like I'm not picky I'm happy with anything like anything that there is just like not these particular things yeah 
Yeah, I remember getting, like, some of the picky comments at family gatherings. Yeah. Before, it's like, I'm not picky, I just don't want to eat it. Yeah, or, like, high maintenance. (laughs) Or, like, yeah, I can eat so many other things, just, like, don't put milk in the mashed potatoes. (laughs) Totally, yeah, there's so many things. I was like, I'll just, I'll grab anything from the fridge, like, I'll be happy, Um, I'm just you know, not going to participate in that. So I think holidays are always a tough one, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, where the meals are very, like, centered around the turkey or the, mm-hmm. the yeah, it's usually the turkey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think for people who maybe aren't sure the reasons behind mm-hmm. it, like the deep reasons behind why someone would choose to go vegan, mm-hmm. Um, for them, it might sound like picky eating. Right. Oh, like, oh, you can't have that. Like, I even try to say, like, avoid saying can. It's just like, I can. I'm just yeah. choosing not to. Yeah. And this is why. In case totally. you were curious. And, like, I went through phases as well. Like, I came out of the gate, like, as kind of more of, like, vocal mm-hmm. vegan because it was, like, a drastic change for me. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to pull back a bit and, like, even avoid saying the word vegan for a long time, like, mm-hmm. at restaurants I'd be like, oh, can you just make sure that there's no dairy or this or this? And right. then my friend would be like, just make it vegan. They know what <laughs> vegan is. I'm like, I know. I'm just, I'm trying not to say it as much, but yeah. whatever. Like, I got over that really right. quickly right. and just, like, am owning it now. So I have had people think vegan is the same as gluten-free. Still. So, <laughs> yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah, but this is, like, noodles or this has, like, bread in it, so I don't think it's vegan. So there's still some people that I think can yes. be confused. Thank God, because I love carbs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm definitely pro-carb. That's... <laughs> um, as a... My family is Greek. My mother is Greek. So we... Um, lamb is the big dish of for greeks so as a as a vegan that was like i it just yeah it was kind of um there's still i still get comments that are just kind of it's a bit confusion a bit like not quite sure what entails veganism Mm -hmm. like does this count does this count it's like yes if it's an animal product yes Yes, so. Do you ever see your family going fully vegan? Do you think that will happen? Actually, they are definitely more um, leaning that way than before. Last Christmas was our first entire vegan uh, meal, which I was super proud of. And that took um, a few years. Like, it started off where there'd be a vegan dish, and then, like, the same Like, there'd just be a vegan alternative for everything. And then I was just kind of telling my mommy, like, I think that everyone is enjoying it as mm-hmm. much, and then it would be a lot less work if we mm-hmm. just did, like, the one vegan dish. And then, so she was kind of, like, scared, you know, give up, and, like, pretty much scared, I think, of disappointing the guests with not having, like, her traditional dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even, I made a vegan spanakopita last year, and Ooh. it was amazing. Um, and so I think the same thing this year and yeah, everyone loved it. There was, no one missed the turkey or anything. So I think when, um, I think when food is done well, like when we, when vegan food is, there's just like, we put effort in it, just Mm -hmm. like we put effort in, you know, the turkey dinner, Mm -hmm. then it's just as enjoyable. Um, it's all about like the flavors and the variety and the spices and, um, just like any kind of meal. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. Um, speaking, like, just to vegan nutrition now, mm-hmm. what do you think uh, some of the biggest mistakes people make are 
with like following like when they first get into veganism yeah. maybe I think the biggest thing is just not eating enough and particularly with um, with women, and uh, again with the the women the, that I'm seeing, if perhaps they're trying to uh, lose weight, mm-hmm. then restriction is something that we're told often um, to do, or restricting carbs, for example. And if we're trying to do that and already have the um, no animal products restriction, that leaves really limit limited foods to enjoy. So um, I'm. I am like pro plants and no restrictions. That's how I feel is like the best mm-hmm. lifestyle approach. Um, even even if someone wants to lose weight, I don't like to focus on the weight loss. Um, I think that that's like a basically a side effect of being a uh, living a healthy lifestyle. Um, and if like in that we are in the body that we're we're supposed to be in, um, if everything all these places are in place like nutrition and um, exercise and stress reduction. So, um, so I don't focus on the weight loss, but what I was saying, yeah, so eating enough. Um, and the nice thing about eating plants is like they, they, you can eat, they fill you up basically. And then it kind of, I think how it worked for me was I was, I was focusing more on what I could eat instead of what I couldn't eat. And then that, you know, that in itself, I stopped eating some of the like processed uh, processed foods and such because I was just like, oh, look at all these like plant foods and like beautiful like sweet potatoes and greens and like smoothies and smoothie yeah. bowls and like all these amazing things. And then you're just like so full on plants that like kind of forget about like the what am I think the even processed. thinking? Yeah, yeah, the donuts or like the snack stuff yeah. and which is totally fine here and there, but just like in the majority the majority of our time is this whole food plant based lifestyle then. It doesn't leave much room for mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. Yeah, I like that mindset, like focusing on all the things to eat and yes. not what you're cutting out. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really And good. I really like what you said about we're all in the bodies we're meant to be in and just how it will all fall into place as long as you are taken care of, mm-hmm. like all of those areas. I think that's a really hard idea to grasp, mm-hmm. especially in this like diet culture that we live in that mm-hmm. like everywhere we look is telling us that like we're supposed to be a certain way mm-hmm. and to do that like you have to do this and it's usually not a fun thing to do <laughs> you have to yeah. do <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like cutting carbs or like yeah. working out every day or this, like ridiculous things like that yeah mm-hmm. um do you have a specific like macro ratio that you like to no. see people eat no. or just like intuitive eating yes. and whole foods yeah so okay. i like to say intuitive plant-based um mm-hmm. I just feel if there's any, I, I do, I come from a uh, disordered eating background. Like personally, I had an eating disorder okay. in when I was in high school and then, um, and they're actually much more common in women with PCOS. Um, and I th- think this has to do with like the weight loss that doctors are told that women need to lose weight like, to get their periods back or to be fertile, etc. Um, which is not necessarily the case. Um, so with this, with this awareness of, um, like a very fine line between being health conscious and having like a eating disorder or even disordered eating habits. Um, I really don't want anyone to count, um, like calories or macros even. Um, like maybe if, like maybe if it's amount, the amount of protein, um, due to like heavy, heavy training, heavy Mm -hmm. lifting, et cetera, then like trying to meet, meet like a basement protein, then 
okay. Um, but otherwise I find, um, I don't know, like, I think very few people can do that without the stress of the, the counting and the obsession of the counting. Yeah. Um, kind of takes the joy out of eating. Yes. Yeah. And that's the other thing with intuitive eating is like, how are we supposed to know how we feel mm-hmm. if we're trying to meet targets each day yeah. on, um, what to eat? So if we eat when we're hungry, mm-hmm. stop when we're full, um, and like the actual, the true feelings, and it's not necessarily like emotionally d- driven or mm-hmm. boredom. Um, then again, like I said about being at the weight body we're at, like we will stabilize at the body that we're supposed to be at for like our activity level, um, whatever is going on in our life at the time. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up, like, uh, losing weight to get mm-hmm. your period back because the opposite is also true. Like, yes. if women get below a certain exactly. body fat, then you, you, your hormones That happens, too, suffer. for sure. Yeah, yeah. so, um, but for some reason, well, yeah, for some reason in the in the PCOS medical world, it's, mm-hmm. like, weight loss has been shown to, um, to help regulate uh, periods. So there is there is research there um but it's not across the board and not every woman with pcos is struggling with that there is uh, there are lean pcos women like myself um who uh, you know i was told to lose weight and i didn't have to Mm -hmm. and then i went into an eating disorder (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it was like um i was getting all these mixed messages right um that this was going to help my pcos and that i was going to have to you know watch what i ate for the rest of my life and um it became really stressful Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that would be a really tough age to be hearing all of that at, totally. like, 17, yeah. you mentioned. Yes, like, yeah. Like, being told you need to lose weight and watch what you're eating and all of that. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. a lot. Totally, yeah. To take on. Definitely. So they even tell, like, people that are lean or, like... Apparently. Wow. <laughs> like, I have... It wasn't even... It was probably... Um, it was just two years ago okay. as well with a new doctor told, uh, told me that. It's whenever... I mean, going to a new doctor with and then telling them they have PCOS is just, it's kind of setting yourself up for wow. <laughs> a terrible experience. Um, but that, yeah, and they told me, and um, I remember thinking, like, fort- I was just like, wow, fortunately, I have the knowledge about PCOS only because I specialized mm-hmm. in it for six years um, to know that this isn't necessarily true and that I have healed mostly my eating disorder. I don't think we 100% heal in diet culture. There's always going to be triggers. But um, I was just very thankful because even though I had this trigger, like, okay, I need to go to the gym now. The doctor just told me that I have to lose weight for, um, it was at the time, I think, irregular cycles. Um, I was trying to get my cycle back at that time. And then, um, but I was leaving the doctor and I, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. And then I thought, no, I know myself and I know that this isn't true. Um, I've, I am plenty fit and (laughs) I am taking care of myself and that's not what I need right now. And this is like these disordered mentality that is, um, is coming back. Mm -hmm. So I, and then I just, I got really sad because I was like, what about the women and girls, like young girls Mm -hmm. that don't have that previous knowledge and then are like continued going to the gym and continued that thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And just probably like stressing the adrenals even yes. more, higher cortisol. Exactly. Like, yeah. Just making it worse. Over exercise is definitely yeah. a, a detriment yeah. um, for any kind of hormonal adrenal stress. 
Um, have you done much uh, research into like where your cholesterol gets too low that you don't have, like that your the body isn't making enough of your hormones? Hmm. I have not. Okay. No, I'm usually looking the other okay. end yeah. um, because high cholesterol is, is uh, a concern. Yeah. Um, I just know that has been, well, it was mostly like... I guess the early 2000s mm-hmm. that I started hearing about this, there was like a really well-known kind of like raw vegan guy who came out and just said like, oh, his testosterone and cholesterol got way too low, like his body wasn't able to make enough. But I could see if you were like extremely, like if he wasn't having any fats in his diet, mm-hmm. maybe the body wasn't making enough cholesterol. But he just, yeah, he, so that I was hearing more and more stories like that in the vegan community, especially like the raw vegan community. Sure, yeah. Around that Um, time. No, I'm not not usually concerned about like not consuming, I, I, maybe there was a particular condition that he Mm -hmm. had that was causing that because I, from my knowledge, I don't Mm -hmm. believe we need to consume cholesterol. Yeah. It's all extra. Yeah. um, And that's, but yeah, I've heard that. Uh, a lot that we need like we need eggs for cholesterol etc yeah 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 and it's not even just like the liver that makes it it's like so many cells in the body make our cholesterol Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but that's kind of why i'm not a fan of like really really restrictive like fat in uh vegans well just like anyone yeah 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 definitely um fat is really important Mm -hmm. for making hormones and that's again with um I mean, with PCOS, that I I draw that comparison again because a low fat diet is something mm-hmm. that a lot of women are on too, and that's mm-hmm. not um, necessarily supportive either. So um, that's why restricting like any one macronutrient um, can kind of lead to problems yeah. because we we need all those, <laughs> particularly carbohydrates yeah. for you know you need that glucose. So do you yeah. think the push towards low carb in PCOS is because of like the insulin resistance. Yeah. So it's still, it's kind of like the same as the diabetes story that, um, if the thought that like you, if we have less lower carbohydrate intake, then our insulin Mm -hmm. levels will be, uh, more balanced. But from the I mean, a plant-based diet is very is very high in carbs, mm-hmm. um, but it's a s- specific carbohydrates, right? So I, if we, if I'm looking at carbohydrates, I tend to look at the glycemic index um, and choose more foods that would be like lower on the glycemic index than higher. Um, and again, with with plants, like there you there aren't. I mean, there's some fruits maybe that are high glycemic, but overall they're going to be. Um, beneficial for uh, for our insulin mm-hmm. and uh the gut microbiome yeah do you talk about that with your patients that i do that's a new like very new area of research especially mm-hmm. um for pcos but there appears to be a connection especially if we're thinking about mental health um and depression mm-hmm. anxiety are increased in this population so um increased increasing like the good gut microbiota is always a a, a good idea um as far as probiotics i don't i kind of stay away from those because i they have to be so 
um, tailored to the individual Mm -hmm. um, that it's very tricky to just like go out and buy any probiotics. So I kind of, I feel it might be a waste of money for some people. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I try not to, I guess I try not to supplement unless, um, unless there's a clear reason um, to, because I'm very wary of just like throwing money, uh, clients throwing money away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I worry about like the whole low carb movement and like keto movement and their microbiome. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I know there's, um, was I thinking with that with a TMAO and yeah. yeah it's uh it's a huge deal and that's the the biggest I mean one of the biggest reasons like not to consume animal products is our our gut and we don't even know how like powerful our gut is right now um and I think it like people we've heard it's the second brain and it's probably gonna be like yeah. you know down the road and um, and then there's even like gut issues that are associated with um, PCOS too. So it seems like it's it's really all connected. That okay. the whole area that is common, like to have like IBS mm-hmm. type symptoms with PCOS. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of associations. Yeah. Sounds like yeah, whole body. I'm whole just mind. so glad that we're having this conversation because for how common it is there's not much discussion on treatment and someone specializing in it. Yes. Yeah. And just like going over the symptoms and some of the stigmas. So Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am getting to the root cause is something that is important to me. Um, instead of like a bandaid approach, whether it's like the birth control pill or, Mm -hmm. um, well, that is usually the most the most common treatment okay. um, is the pill, um, just because it, it will decrease. Sure, it will decrease acne. It will um, have regular cycles, mm-hmm. but they're not true bleeds. They're mm-hmm. they're pill bleeds. So um, we're not okay. healing the condition. Yeah, yeah. Um, was I gonna ask? Oh, is there overlap of symptoms with like endometriosis, or do you see? people um, with that they're similar i i don't have as m- much knowledge in okay. endometriosis because they are like completely different yeah. um conditions and uh and yeah but it, it's similar in the sense that it's a under-researched um women's condition um okay. of the ovaries that involves like pelvic pain mm-hmm. um irregular cycles painful periods so the stigma is still there um the research is limited and so so it's similar in those senses but as far as like an overlap of um I, it's i would be able if someone told me like what could they were experiencing then i could be mm-hmm. able to tell if it was endo or bcos okay. um usually if it's like more painful periods and cycles then that's usually a more of a sign of endometriosis um, because there shouldn't necessarily be pain with PCOS um, aside from like the the emotional pain or um, yeah that's okay. that should be the only pain yeah it's interesting how we can normalize symptoms mm-hmm. like that like I remember it was really common for me to have menstrual pain on the first yeah, day where sure. I would have to like curl up in a ball and I just like couldn't move yeah like pretty much all through high school yeah yeah Same. and you just think that that's like oh it's just our periods like it's just For normal sure. yeah but it's so important to have well like if you can find a doctor that 
will listen definitely to you and yeah not just write it off and it doesn't even have to be pcos like if yeah. someone has painful periods then or uncomfortable periods even mm-hmm. then like then i want to support them and like tr- figure out whether it's through diet or or even um lifestyle like stress management might be really big for like to mm-hmm. you know chill out during mm-hmm. those first few days of your cycle and let your body heal and do its yeah. thing um or a rest, I should say, like not necessarily heal, but, um, yeah. So even if someone, you know, is listening, doesn't have PCOS, but they do have painful cycles, like that's mm-hmm. not, it isn't normal. Um, even, and even though we're told, right, like we're told that it's going to be an awful time of the month and you're yeah. going to be moody and like, you know, people aren't going to mm-hmm. like you, that kind of thing. And like, it doesn't have to be that way. No. Um, I like usually don't notice my period unless, except for like the literal bleeding. Yeah. Um, is the only part I notice. And then, like, if I am higher stressed, then I will, um, like, be higher, have higher anxiety the week before. And I know, like, I did have not been taking care of myself as well, or there's been something, like, super um, eventful that has happened. Like, I, I moved recently, et cetera. So, like, I know my cycle is going to act up a bit. Um, but to get to that point where we, like, know our bodies and are, like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm breaking out uh, right before my period, uh, so I haven't been taking care of myself, etc. Yeah. Um, instead of, like, this is this is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the body's always trying to tell us mm-hmm. <laughs> something by these little clues yes. that pop up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, mine got so much better after going vegan. Really? And now yeah. I'm the same as you. Like, if I'm not taking care of myself, like, maybe not sleeping as much yes. or more stressed, then I'll, it'll be, like, I'll notice it mm-hmm. much more. Yeah, sleep is is huge, too. It's a big one. Um, What would you say is the most common misdiagnosis of PCOS? Like, where someone goes in and instead of being told they have PCOS, if that's Mm -hmm. what they actually have, what would you say is the most common thing they're told Mm -hmm. or diagnosed Um, with? I mean, ovarian cysts are usually, are are often, uh, there's an overlap there when they are quite different. Um even you know having amenorrhea without no cycles but um perhaps they're not displaying the physical symptoms of pcos or or they didn't weren't sent for an ultrasound which is the only way to determine if there are pco on the uh, ovaries so yeah those would probably be the two um but or no diagnosis at all like i like we don't know what you're going through but um here's the pill. (laughs) (laughs) Band-aid solution. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah, unfortunately. So with like ovarian cysts, um, you won't see the elevated androgens or the insulin resistance. Is that kind of like something that sets it apart? There. Okay. Yeah. So ovarian cysts are usually very painful and they're they're not necessarily going to be paired with like the increased androgens, like you said, or the, um, or even irregular cycles. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then fibroids. That's yeah. That that's too. totally yeah. yeah. Um, and they could, I guess they could. I don't know how you would misdiagnose that, but okay. yeah. <laughs> potentially, yeah. Um, do you see uh, women in like perimenopause or mari- menopause? Like I haven't um, yet. Okay. Um, I haven't 
specialize in that, usually um, the fer- like the infertile um, period or like mm-hmm. pre-fertility is where um, they're coming from he- to me. But yeah, that's a, it's definitely, um, it's a bit of a, like a bit of a, a miss, uh, nomer when we talk about PCOS, we often like the, a lot of the literature will be, will say reproductive age women. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not true. It does affect women after menopause. Okay. So that is important for women to know that just yeah. because like periods stop, it doesn't mean that the, all the symptoms of PCOS will go away. Um, and that it's good to like work with someone um, that does specialize in that area of life. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a whole another balancing act yes. <laughs> with all the hormonal changes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, did you have any questions? Um, so you've been vegan for eight ha- years. Eight years. Yeah, this January will be eight years. Okay, and that's a long time. It is. Good. It doesn't even feel. It feels so. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I didn't count for a while. Yeah. Uh, then I think it was yeah. just Instagram that started to get me to count because yeah. I saw people posting their like vegan anniversaries. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's fun. I'll bake know a cake. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know the specific day. Yeah. I just know you know it was the beginning yeah. of that semester, yeah. so I know that that time when that happened. But it's just such a part of my life now. I don't yeah. really think about it. Um, I mean, I I think about it a lot, but I don't think about the the transition or I don't think about not being vegan it just is so you don't find do you find any part of it challenging now or it's just easy peasy it's it's easy yeah I think the joke the most challenging part is like having to explain myself (laughs) or where I get my protein (laughs) etc um I think maybe jokes here and there like weak vegan etc like I kind of I guess I use that as um motivation to um um whether it's lifting in the gym or um like I've been running up the BCMC and uh it's it's alongside the grouse grind um if you know it and I've been doing that like almost every Saturday with my partner and um we tend to race up and I was like bolting past uh older man or like Mm -hmm. I get maybe he was in his 40s or so and he was just like how are you so fast and then I just said it's the plants and I kept <laughs> yeah and he was like cool <laughs> so I just like I just kind of make a, a, a joke of it yeah. like yeah or like wear my avo- avocado t-shirt and <laughs> nice. um yeah just kind of poking fun that like I can be you know strong and healthy as a, a vegan um and have PCOS as a vegan and bodybuilder and all those things that um are are, you know frowned upon in the Mm -hmm. in the communities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and would you say most of your friends are also plant-based or are you yeah definitely from i think like chosen chosen friends mostly through (laughs) like social media um and my blog uh fruitful dish i found a lot of like-minded people through that and um and yeah just getting it just becomes really kind of easy to go out mm-hmm. to, to play dinners or mm-hmm. uh and such and and have to you know or not have to but we choose to go to a vegan restaurant and then we kind of like those friendships seem to flourish a little yeah. better <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah it is not to say that like i'm only friends with 
yeah. vegans. <laughs> is your partner also vegan? or He's actually, this month, he decided to um, try vegan. He is vegetarian um, for the nice. most, yeah, for the most part, but this yeah. month he's been vegan, so. Did it have anything to do with Game Changers? Yes, <laughs> it did. We watched it together, and um, we discussed it a lot after, yeah. and then it was like a couple days later that he did start to he decided he was going to make the transition and it wasn't a lot for him Mm -hmm. um he was pretty I think it was eggs was like the thing that he was um having to go without Mm -hmm. um but he replaced it with like quinoa and lentils and it's awesome he's cooking for me it's great have you guys tried the Shani's egg seasoning no oh it's so good what is that like my favorite way now to make tofu scramble. Okay. Um, and actually, thanks to Shauna, she suggested doing the soft tofu mixed with the medium firm well, tofu. Well, Shani suggested that. Oh, Shani suggested <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. I just passed oh, along yeah. as the messenger. <laughs> um, and then mixed in with Shani's, we actually carry it um, at the store oh, yeah. at Plant Life. It has black salt in it. Have you heard okay. of that? No, I haven't. It has um, sulfur in it, so it gives okay. it that, like, eggy taste. Yeah, yeah. But there's also, like, turmeric and nutritional yeast to give it, like, the color and some of the other flavor. But, yeah, it's a game changer. It <laughs> totally is, yeah. yeah. I wonder what that would taste like for me, someone that has not had eggs in so yeah, long. Yeah, and I stopped eating eggs, like, by accident. Like, it was before I was vegan, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't have them for a couple of weeks and then I had them again and my body was just kind of like like I don't yeah. really like these anymore yeah. but I'm all about the shiny seasoning yeah I never <laughs> crave so eggs yeah. Um, yeah. but for some reason the tofu scramble with the shiny seasoning right we're not paid by them to say this <laughs> okay, at all. I'm just like literally obsessed yeah um, well I'm definitely gonna try it like that yeah too. he is like missing yeah he's definitely eggs. been liking the beyond um bur- like burgers that you can get yeah. at a grocery store or sausages etc um those are for me I'm not as you know as pro the kind of like alternative meats like I think Mm -hmm. it's great for people that are missing that but maybe because I haven't had meat in so much so long I'm not missing it and almost it's a little creepy to me when I bite in and it's like there's blood that is supposed to be it is creepy sometimes like when they started to get really realistic like on the pizzas and things like we I remember calling like a few pizza places like are you sure this is a vegan one are you sure totally and then like I'd have like a non-vegan friend like try it and they're no that's definitely not meat like they can really tell the difference I had a similar pizza experience (laughs) too and it was it was the cheese I just was not convinced and then um again I was so tempted to call them I didn't in the end but what what told me the next few days is I I felt fine like I did not feel sick and I know I would I feel sick now if I get like dairied or (laughs) um or I'll break out like I can tell that right away if I have a bit of like milk chocolate Mm -hmm. because I usually only have dark chocolate but if some of the chocolates you know you don't necessarily say Mm -hmm. then I can tell the next few days so Mm -hmm. yeah that was kind of like my idea with the pizza I was like it must have been good because I feel perfect like no gut issues like nothing so yeah you would have known yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like I won't even order some of, like, the vegan, like, there's vegan soups that have, like, the Vietnamese ham, like, faux ham Mm -hmm. in it, 
and like yeah some of the pizza meats because mm-hmm. it's just so realistic and then I trip out in my mind that like oh maybe they made a mistake <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh you turn into it's the paranoid yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just like watching the barista make like my drinks making sure they're using the yeah the non-dairy yeah. milk <laughs> but game changers has seen like honestly been a game changer especially yeah. for a lot of men i've seen um i think it was the the sexual functioning that really got yep. to a few of them <laughs> i know i always kind of laugh a little bit when i yeah. hear like a, a guy like come in and be like yeah i just watched game changers like i'm going vegan yeah. now i know and right like was it that part? Yeah, because it's like it, it wasn't the uh, whatever the Earthlings. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Not the conspiracy. No, yeah. no. It's not the animals. It's, it's the blood flow. Yeah, we should have started with that like, way back. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it's like by far my favorite documentary on the topic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because it speaks to a specific like type of person who wouldn't normally be interested in veganism. I feel right. like right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Even some athletes I didn't know that like that were um, were plant based. So yeah, it was really cool to see the diversity yeah. of ath- mm-hmm. like athletes. Who yeah, they should show it. that in schools. They yeah. should show that movie in schools. Right. Sure. Yeah. For gym like, class, watch yeah. a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sports teams and such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with our listeners, or any last minute tips for people? Um, maybe just to, um, if anyone is like, I work with women with PCOS, but also if people are trying to go plant-based, um, I've done that. So I can definitely like guide through that. And I think it can be like really effective to work with someone that, um, has a nutritional background and is Mm -hmm. also plant-based themselves and like knows the the social, cause it's really the social issues that, um, is the difficult part Mm -hmm. I find, Mm -hmm. um, because the nutrition, like, we can get, the nutritional deficiencies, like, those can be addressed pretty easily, yeah. um, but the, kind of how, how to discuss with family, and how to, you know, or, like, dating, and all these, yeah. those kind of lifestyle things that come up as a vegan, um, for sure, I have that experience, so that, that's a, it's kind of fun for me, mm-hmm. um, to, to work with someone that wants to go plant-based. Yeah, yeah, definitely good to have like a resource like yourself when someone is like yeah. getting into it and maybe they don't have the support system sure. with their friends and family. Exactly. You can feel lonely. Or recipes. Yeah. I love making recipes. Oh, nice. So veganizing a recipe yeah. it just gets me so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, ask, I just ask my friends, like, what do you want me to veganize? Yeah. They're like, nachos. Like, okay, like, whatever. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite dish right now that you're obsessed with? Oh, um, okay. I, I made this vegan seven-layer nacho dip, Ooh. and Ooh. I'm very proud of it because seven-layer dip was just—it yeah. was the thing that I'm probably not alone in this, but it's the thing at the party. It's like the best part of the party, yeah. Right, and then I would even like start try to pick around the layers that were not ve- like the guac <laughs> and the beans. Yeah. It's kind of impossible yeah. with the store-bought ones. So then I was like, I'm just gonna make it myself, and it was really simple. Nice. Like it's only the the, and then the the cheese layer mm-hmm. is easily suitable for like nacho cheese, yeah, so yeah. that 
that's delicious and it's a huge hit at parties did you do too. like a cashew yes. sour cream or something yeah. yeah it was a cashew um and then like the nutritional yeast cheese mm. um and like the refried beans the guacamole of course so oh, good. there's yeah. one of my websites so oh that's, nice. you can uh, use that one okay we're gonna mm-hmm. use your recipe <laughs> for that because i'm craving it now totally um thank you so much you're welcome for being awesome. on the show with us it was so fun. very educational thank you This episode of Vegan Boss Radio is brought to you by Plant Life Nutrition. Plant Life Nutrition is Vancouver's first fully vegan nutrition store. This is also where I offer my vegan nutrition, coaching services, and custom meal plan services. And these are available both in person at the store and online. And what's so great about Plant Life is when you shop at the store, you know everything is vegan approved and nutritionist approved. So they've really done the homework for you. For 10% off all products and services, follow them on Instagram at Plant Life Nutrition and comment Vegan Boss on their latest posts.